Hello guys and welcome once again to the Wrestling Arena. I'm your host Paul Barrow and today we'll be discussing the big AEW news regarding a possible return for CM Punk. Now I don't want to go over the all out, brawl out, whatever you want to call it, incident that happened last year. I think everyone knows what that is, I don't want to rehash old old news but it's never really gone away, it's never really been a situation that has been solved or put to bed. I think it was a massive problem for the company for a while. I think it knocked the company's momentum off badly. And I know that a lot of fans are sitting there thinking, well, is this going to be a good thing for AEW? Is this going to be a bad thing for AEW? You know, they don't want to support uh, Punk in general when he's been such a disruptive force to the company. But this news is coming directly from Fightful, who've had a record of... Well, let's be honest, they've had a pretty darn good record lately. They've had good reports. They're usually usually spot on with their reporting. So they are the guys who originally broke the news of CM Punk actually making his return. They've got good breakdowns of, you know, what's going to come from Raw unless Vince McMahon's book in and he changes everything. They've got leaks of every kind. They know who the backstage producers are for everything. So I'd say that this is one of the more reputable sources that you can have for this kind of news. Now, Dax Harwood has lately, upon his podcast, FTR with Dax Harwood, been saying that Punk does want to get back into wrestling, which is understandable. Of course he does. It's where he makes his money. It's where he's most popular. And uh, I imagine he does miss it. He, you know, it was something he, he's been away for for a while. And to get that kind of rapturous response when he came back, must have been like one hell of a uh, one hell of a good feeling. I was going to say a drug, but that feels kind of bad when talking about someone who's straight edge. But that's just friends talking to each other, I guess. Of course he's going to say, I want to come back to wrestling. I miss wrestling. But the report from Fightful, which is dated April 13th, first of all goes to great length to talk about how this is the tentative plan and, of course, things can change because Punk's return has been discussed before and then he made a Instagram post which tore into people such as Chris Jericho for being stooges, told the people that Dave Meltzer was a liar and basically set the whole thing back. It seems like it seems like things were sort of smoothing over and then Punk kind of very purposefully put his foot in it again, which is a very CM Punk thing to do. CM Punk seems to not care who he upsets or who gets offended by what he says. So the report, as I say, says this is a tentative idea and things could change. Now I'm just going to give a brief overview of the article because I do not want to read word for word from a Fightful Select report. You know, this is paid for content by them. They've, they've, they've put the work in. So I don't really just want to be giving you their work. I do, however, want to talk about it and talk about what I feel about it. So... They were told on around April 12th, apparently, that they were getting hints that Punk wanted to come back to AEW and that the wheels were already in motion. They were told that as soon as Chicago at the Winner's Trust Arena, or the Trust Arena, on June 21st, that episode of Dynamite would be interesting and something to look out for. The working plan has been for CM Punk to return at that show, or at very least around it. There have been pitches about announcing it well ahead of time, even around the Warner Brothers upfronts, Punk 
wants to work with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, which to my mind would be one hell of a program. It would be the kind of thing that I'd tune in for. Fans who are aware of the situation would tune in for. It's the kind of thing like... This is a disastrous example, but I'm going to use it. Like Survivor Series 97, where you knew that Sean and Brett hated each other, and you also knew that Brett was leaving. So you know the back the the backstory, the background details, the fact they'd already had a fight. You knew that kind of stuff. So the match became more interesting because of that. You weren't sure how things were going to go down. Was Brett going to shoot on Sean? Was Sean going to shoot on Brett? We didn't know any of that kind of thing, but if you were kind of looking into the background details of this kind of thing, it added another layer onto the match and onto the feud. This is a, a modern kind of equivalent of that. You know, old school promoters used to like to get real animosity into a match because it would transfer into a better match and better sales for tickets. So it really makes sense. Um, Bill Watts was someone who used to love doing this, as was Vincent Mancinia. So Punk wanting to work with the elite is completely understandable. Now, whether or not the Elite want to do this with CM Punk is another matter. I can certainly understand why they might not want to, although it does appear that Punk and Kenny Omega had some kind of interaction post the all-out brawl. So things may or may not be so difficult with Kenny as they are with the Bucks. I can understand why the Bucks wouldn't want to work with the guy. The guy attacked them, apparently, or allegedly hit them. You know, I can understand somebody not want to work with that guy. That being said, this is pro wrestling. Backstage fights have happened throughout its history. We've had lots of fights, and people have calmed down, come together, and put out some really good programs, or at least got on enough to the point where they can work together. And I get it, you know, the elite are EVPs of the company. That's they've they've got some kind of power. I'm not sure what it is because we don't know their contracts, but they do have some kind of power. So maybe they've got a right to be like, hey, we don't want to work with the guy, and they don't have to. Another guy who has seemingly has problems with CM Punk would be Chris Jericho. Now, obviously, Kit Jericho was called a stooge on the Instagram post, meaning that CM Punk believes, and many do believe, that he talks to Dave Meltzer that that he's one of the many sources that Dave Meltzer has in the industry. And I'm reasonably sure, I'm, main, I'm not entirely certain on this, but I have read Jericho's books. He may have mentioned um, giving Meltzer some tips back in the day, so who knows? But Jericho not liking Punk is another major stumbling block because Jericho is one of the more noticeable and recognisable names they have from the WWE. You know, if you put Chris Jericho's face on a poster... It's more likely than people are going to recognise him because he has been around a very long time. Even if you're a fan of WCW, you may know Chris Jericho. If you're a fan of WWE in the 2000s, you're going to know Chris Jericho. I get that. But it's obvious that Chris Jericho really does have a problem. And how do I know that? Twitter user, the underscore PWW, the pro wrestling world, made the following tweet. Chris Jericho at I am Jericho. Correct me if I am wrong but you've always been willing to work with everyone and you've always done what's best for business. People are foolish to suggest otherwise, dash TJ. And there's a large picture of CM Punk and Chris Jericho sat at an announcing desk at what appears to be a rampage taping. And Chris Jericho's response is simply two words, not everyone. Now, this could just be Jericho being an old pro 
and trying to build interest in, in hopes for a possible angle. But I get the impression this is legit because being called a stooge for a wrestling newsletter would be something that someone who's old school like Jericho would find quite offensive, I'd imagine. And to be honest, I can understand why. The Fightful report also goes on to state that they've tried to organise a meeting between Punk and Jericho as they've had issues in the past and they want to know if it's possible for the two of them to work together. It also goes on to explain that Warner Brothers' top brass are thinking about using the rumoured Saturday show for AEW that's about to come up apparently or has been discussed and talked about and it's heavily rumoured and... It's sort of like one of the worst kept secrets in wrestling. They're going to try and get a 6.05 Saturday slot, the old WCW slot and NWA slot before it, uh, to give uh, to give AEW some more wrestling time on television. And the idea has been expressed that they could use this as a sort of roster split to keep this situation separate, to keep the elite away from Punk, to keep Jericho away from Punk. And I guess it's here where I have to express my opinions, which is... This, I am a huge CM Punk fan. I always have been since I saw him. I believe Ring of Honor was the first time I saw him, but I've always been a huge CM Punk fan. That being said, what he did at that press conference was wholly unprofessional. And I get it. You're frustrated. You're fed up with people talking about your personal life in a way to just sell newsletters or to shift ink or who don't understand the situation. I get being upset, especially when you've just won the AEW world title and you've injured yourself doing it so you know you're going to be out for a, for a long period of time. I understand the frustration. I understand the anger. But what you don't do is go and bury the entirety of your company. You don't go up to the guys with some kind of power and basically say they've got no rights helping run a company. You don't do that. But it happened. My hope is... That everyone gets into a room, everyone calms down, and everyone does business. There are some tremendous matches that can still happen. Punk and FTR versus the Elite. Punk versus Jericho. Punk versus quite a lot of the people in that company. It's still money matches. But it all comes down to one thing. And that's not whether CM Punk apologises... It's not whether the Elite want to work with CM Punk. It's not whether Chris Jericho wants to work with CM Punk. It comes down to one thing. Can Tony Khan finally, finally put his foot down and realise one thing? He is not these people's friend. He is their boss. Frankly, the moment CM Punk started his little toy raid, it should have just been cut off. And I've got no doubt that CM Punk would have just continued with his with his toy raid. He should have been cut off immediately and told, we have to move on. Can we have some questions about the matches? Or can we get someone else out here? As soon as that started to spin out of control, then Tony needed to say, okay, we've talked about that. We need to move on. Let's talk about the main event let's talk about the new champion let's talk about anything this is my company you are not here to make it look bad you are now the standard bearer for this company so act like it instead we got a guy who didn't want to make waves and who just left the situation to become worse and worse and i get it you don't want to look like an asshole you don't want to look like vince mcmahon you don't want to look like you're too overbearing you want to look like 
the wrestler's friend, the wrestler's pal, somebody who the wrestler can trust, somebody who thinks about the wrestler's health and all that kind of thing. You want to be the good guy. I just want to say that's really easy when WWE are the bad guy. It's really easy when it's obvious that WWE want control of their wrestlers. In order to be the good guy, all you really have to do is go, oh, you want to do a TV show? Go ahead. You want to do a private signing? Go ahead. You want to work on the indies a little bit? Go ahead. As long as it doesn't contradict with us, you can do that. And you're already, to a lot of people, a hundred times better than WWE who want control of everything. You don't have to give these people everything they want. In fact, you shouldn't, because wrestlers have healthy egos. In order to be any good at professional wrestling, you have to have some kind of ego, because it's your ego that will protect you. It is a situation where, despite what the WWE will tell you, wins and losses matter, looking good matters, being protected matters. So at certain points, you are going to have to say, you know, I can't just be losing all the time. You have to put your foot down as a wrestler and say... Okay, I've lost for three months. I need I need a victory so people still believe I can win or still believe that I am a threat in the ring. And I know that's a generalisation and that sounds really stupid, but think about it. Let's say that I put you in a losing gimmick for six months and at the end of the six months, you have a contract negotiation. I can then turn around to you and say, well, you are not worth as much to me as you were six months ago. Because on TV, all you've done is lose. All you've done is make other people look good. And that's great for you know the actual workings of wrestling. But as a fan, people may not believe in you as much. So I'm just avoiding paying you less. And I know that's a ridiculously oversimplified thing. And it's the most dodgy thing I can think of. But it's also the, the quickest exclamation I can come up with as to why some wrestlers are so... I don't want to use the word paranoid, but it makes sense. They have to look after themselves to a certain degree. Do I think that certain people take it too far? Yes, I do. There are plenty of people throughout wrestling history who have refused to lose when losing wouldn't have hurt them at all. Like Hulk Hogan. Hogan, at many times, would just come in and be like, well, that doesn't work for me, even though it would work for the story, even though even though an easy repair could have happened and he could have been made to look just as devastating even a week later because of who he is. He was invincible when it comes to fan perception because of the WF run. You know what I mean? And obviously it's not all about this. It's not all about wins and losses and I want to win and I want to lose. It's just an aspect that I can use to explain to you as to why some wrestlers need to protect their image. I get that in an ideal world, a wrestler could lose every week for three years and then still be worth as much as he was three years previously. But at least as a fan, I could see that not being the case. And I could be wrong about that. You know, I, it might not work that way. But to me, it would it would make sense to work that way. You know, you're not going to pay the Brooklyn Brawler what you play Triple H. Because Triple H is seen as a top guy. He's seen as a threat. And a guy that loses for three months or a year isn't going to be a top guy. It's a very weird thing because it's not really a sport. It's a predetermined event, and it's why in WCW that top guys very rarely were made to look bad because the brass, the people running the company, were saying things like, well, we're paying this guy $500,000 a year. He has to be worth that, so we have to make sure he wins a lot and he looks devastating and he looks good, which, of course, meant that people who were in the mid-card and getting paid less 
the same was true. Oh, they're not getting paid the level of a Hulk Hogan. They're not getting paid the level of a Sting. They're not getting paid the level of a Goldberg. Therefore, why should we use them in the same way as we use the main eventers? The main eventers get paid the most, and because we're paying these guys the most, they have to be main eventers. So as you can see, it's a very weird situation, and it is one that I can certainly see why some wrestlers become so protective of themselves. You want to maintain your value. But then we get back to the question in hand. What would I do about this situation? What would I do personally? Now, here's the thing. I'm only speaking for myself. And anybody listening to this has the right to think that I'm wrong. And I'm more than willing to discuss it with on the Discord or on the Wrestling Arena Facebook. In fact, I'd really welcome that discussion. To me, if I'm Tony Khan, this is a test. And it's one that I cannot fail. I have to put my foot down. I have to say, yes, we're getting CM Punk back. But I have to lay the law down to Punk and say, you need to go out there and you need to apologise to this person, this person and this person. Because you've said some stuff to them that is not right, that makes them look bad, that makes the company look bad. And if Punk can't do that, you need to say, okay, then we need to part ways. That being said, you also, if that happens cannot have people like the elite or Chris Jericho dictating to you who they will and will not work with. That is not their job. Their job is to listen to you and do exactly what they are told. That is what you are paying them for. Now, there have been rumours that people have said, we will not work if CM Punk comes back to the company. We will try and push him out. We'll try and force him out. And that's just, that's crazy. That is WCW levels of crazy where people would just be like, that doesn't work for me. I, I'm not going to do that. And then things would be changed for them. And I'm sorry, I don't care who you are. That way leads to the death of a company. Kenny Omega and the Bucks currently have a great deal of bargaining power. They are currently in the middle of contract negotiations. And they could, I'm not saying they will, but they could use this to bargain for, we don't really want this guy in the locker room, he's not a good influence. And I'll admit that, you know, he, he could be a terrible influence for the locker room. And he could create strife, he has certainly done it in the past, he's done it in the WWF, where Chris Jericho and Booker T got very angry because CM Punk tried to assert himself as a locker room leader. And he kept trying to give speeches about you know how things how to act in the locker room and Jericho's been working longer than Punk and Booker T's been working longer than Punk and they're very successful and they were very much uh unhappy with the way that Punk was apparently treating them like rookies and they got very mad about it that's at least a story that's come out Punk has pretty much had a problem in every locker room he's been in I understand that but he's also a proven draw for this company the largest draw they've had when CM Punk was on TV they got bigger ratings and that is a statable fact so to me you get him back on TV and back into a program and you deal with the stuff backstage that will will come off that's just the kind of personality he is don't stand for it you know fine him for this fine him for that and if he goes off on one you know suspend him without pay He'll either learn or he'll have to leave. But you should get 
as big a return on your investment as you can, while you can. He's still under contract to you, and he is a big name in the wrestling business. Make money while you can from him. On a personal note, I'd rather have CM Punk than the Bucks. You don't really hear about the Bucks causing problems backstage. That is true. But I do think that we've seen everything the Bucks have to offer. To me, anyway. They're not great promos. They're not amazing characters. They're very athletic, but they're not great in-ring storytellers. You get the kind of crazy matches where fans will ooh and ah and do that kind of thing. But to me, they are never where the emotion comes from in their storylines. To me, the Hangman Page storyline, all the emotion came from Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. Promo-wise, they never really do it for me. Promo-wise, Punk does it for me almost every time. Every time I believe I believe what Punk is saying. Heck, it was very difficult to look at that press conference uh, outburst and not think of it as a promo because it certainly sounded like a promo. He's believable in a way that I don't think the books are personally. And this isn't me, you know, I say, I say that I don't like the books a lot. But it's not a kind of like, oh, this shouldn't be working. I just think I've seen it all. They're good. But I've seen, you know, a lot of it. I've seen a lot of their work. I've seen I've seen everything they do, and they do everything they do in nearly all their matches. I'd much rather have a contest that looks like a contest for a start, because Bucks matches often don't. They often look like incredible, incredible displays of athleticism. But very rarely do I leave their matches thinking, wow, that was a great wrestling match. I might think it was a great display of you know, craziness and weirdness and, and it was awesome to look at, but they don't they never stay with me as a wow, that was a great promo, that was a great angle, that was a great wrestling match. They very rarely do that. And what's worse is I I know they can, they did it in New Japan quite a lot. I've just feel in AEW they've got quite comfortable in their situation. And they've got if you write to their EVPs, their executive vice presidents, of course they're gonna get comfortable. And in no way am I describing them as being lazy. They're not. Every time they go out there, they give it everything they've got. I'm not saying they're not good at what they do. I just don't enjoy what they do as much as I've enjoyed most of the Punk matches I've seen since he came back in AEW. Punk, of course, is not without his drawbacks. He won't shut up. He's ornery. And he's also prone to injury at this point. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword keeping him on. But to me, he's worth the risk. He's someone that your average wrestling fan might rec- your average WWE fan, sorry, might recognise from a period when they watched. I think he's worth having around. Even if he's only used as a special attraction, I think he's worth having around. And I'm not saying get rid of the books for CM Punk. What I'm saying is if it came down to it, personally, I'd prefer to watch CM Punk matches. Then we get to another person Punk's got problems with, Chris Jericho, someone who stepped up as a locker room leader when all this happens, and that's pretty cool. But again, I'm kind of sick of the Chris Jericho show. He's had good matches, usually has good matches, but if I'm honest with myself, the Jericho Appreciation Society is simply an extension to me of the inner circle. It is a load of young guys who can hang around Chris Jericho and make Chris Jericho look like a bigger deal. It's weird because 
He talks about getting these guys over and making them look good. And they get more TV time as part of his group, I'll admit that. But I don't feel that anyone in either of those groups, and in many of Chris Jericho's feuds, comes across better when they come out of it as they were going into it. They might come across as the same. They might have a temporary boost from possibly beating Chris Jericho. But something never feels right to me. And this isn't necessarily Jericho's fault. I think his feuds go on too long. I think sometimes they're booked backwards. For example, uh, Ricky Starks beat him in the first match of their feud and then the feud went on for like another two months. It felt too long. And this happens quite a lot with Jericho's feuds. I'm kind of dreading this proper Adam Cole feud that's going to be coming up because Adam Cole's come back straight into a feud with Chris Jericho and the last Chris Jericho feud was seemingly endless. And he's done it before. The groups are a good way of keeping Jericho in the mix. I'll freely admit that. But to me, the person that gets the most out of it is Chris Jericho. I feel that the rub that other members of the groups and other few people he feuds with don't necessarily come off all that well. And as I say, this can be the booking fault because they'll beat Chris Jericho and the old AW standard of we won't see them for a month will happen like Action Andretti. He beat Jericho and then what have they really done with him? Very little, in my opinion. It just comes across as a guy Jericho can point to and say, look, I put that guy over. That was good of me, wasn't it? I'm not accusing Jericho of being WCW Hulk Hogan and trying to stay on top or anything. He's not angling for the world title all the time and that kind of thing. I do think he's trying to do this in good faith. I think he's trying to help people. It just doesn't come across well to me. So to me, Jericho is someone you want to keep around, even if he does have problems with CM Punk who I'd imagine would have been one of your biggest stars. Ratings would certainly indicate that he's the biggest star that you have. I just really hope that Jericho can freshen up his presentation. I mean, he's been good at reinventing himself in the past. And yeah, he keeps giving himself new nicknames, Le Champion, using the Painmaker gimmick, bringing back uh, Lionheart. But those aren't really reinventions, they're just new nicknames, let's be honest. Before he's had proper reinventions, he's gone from Y2J to the world champion in the suit and the long words, like Nick Bockwinkle, he's had the list. These last few versions of Jericho have felt pretty similar to me, and hopefully this won't kind of turn into a thing. I want him to make himself something new. I think it'd be pretty cool. And then we move on to Kenny Omega. Now, I think Omega's totally different from the Bucks. Omega, when he can be bothered, is a really interesting wrestler to watch. He can really make a match feel like a wrestling match. There have been times, however, where he doesn't take things as seriously as I think he could. And that's cool. That's his personality. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you know, he should be this. That's not up for me to say. I guess that's a bit hypocritical considering I've basically just told Chris Jericho what to do. But to me, there are two sides to Kenny Omega. There is the side that will hang out with the Bucks and be a bit goofy and that's fine, that's okay, but to me that guy isn't a world championship guy. And then there's the guy who appears on New Japan and wins their US title. And he's a machine, and he really, really can go. And he's really cool and interesting, and I want, I want to see more of him. The guy who dresses up like a Ghostbuster, or a basketball player, or a Street Fighter character, I don't really want to see more of that guy, and I get that that's Kenny Omega too. But I think that aspect of his personality needs to be hidden away a little more sometimes than it is. He needs to be presented as the world-class athlete he is. 
as the the best bat machine, as the belt collector. To me, he reminds me of Randy Orton. When Randy Orton can be bothered, there's few better in the ring. There's few better at wrestling than Randy Orton. But let's be honest, there have been times in Randy Orton's career where it's been very obvious that he doesn't like creative and he's very bored because he's very capable of putting on some very dull matches. I'm not saying Omega's like that. I don't. I, again, I think he works very hard. It's just that I think there are two sides to him, and I prefer one of the sides, the athletic super wrestler, to the nerdy guy who hangs out with his friends who just happens to be a good wrestler. So what am I saying? I guess what I'm really saying is most of these guys need to stick around. You need to bring some harmony to this group, and I do not think that splitting the roster in two is a good idea. I know it's on one of his mind, but that is putting tremendous amounts of stress on a man who already has way too much of it. If you split the rosters and you make Tony book two shows with two rosters, in fact, three shows once you take into account Ring of Honor, I believe that you're going to suffer with burnout very, very quickly. Plus, roster splits never work. They never, you can't strictly adhere to them because. At some point, someone's going to get injured and you're going to need someone in for him to work with, so you have to break the roster split. I get that. I understand why you might want a roster split, and AEW's roster is big enough to accommodate it. I do know that. But you just have periods in AEW where people don't turn up, and I don't think that's good for two rosters. You need consistency if you're going to be like, this guy is a Saturday show guy, and this guy is a Dynamite show guy, and... I just think you need consistency. You need people to show up on every show that they're they're part of the roster for. Listing the roster adds confusion that you don't really need. It makes things more complicated for people watching. It means that not everyone's going to watch every show. That may not happen anyway because you are now approaching the point where you have a lot of shows. If somebody's watching Ring of Honor and Rampage and Dynamite and this new show that is a lot of wrestling because believe me, a lot of them will also watch WWE. That is just ingrained. That is just what you do. You watch Monday Night Raw. It's been going so long. I guess in conclusion, what I'm saying is nobody, no matter how big a star, is indispensable. And while I may have said that I prefer Punk, and I would, I just like his style of wrestling more. I like his style of promo more. I think he can be taken more seriously. But if he won't knuckle down and do what he's told, he can be got rid of. If... People start dictating who they will and will not work with. They can be got rid of. I mean, we're already dangerously close to that with stories of people like Miro not wanting to work with the creative that's come up to him and refusing to do it and saying, oh, we'll wait for something else. No, you come to work. You come to work and you do your job. And hey, you might want to. You want to stay on TV, believe me. You want your profile to be high. Because you're being paid by this company. And yeah, you might want to go and work for WWE. And you might even have an open door in WWE for all you know. They might want you back. But things can change. Look at what's happened since you left WWE. They've become part of the UFC family with Endeavor. So you don't know what might happen. So personally, if I was any of these guys saying, Oh, you know, I won't come in for that creative. We'll think of something else. Um, You don't have a choice. This is your job. You might not like it. It might be terrible. But I'll tell you what. AEW seem much more likely to listen to you talk about your 
problems with the angle and probably adapt things than WWE ever would. So maybe, just maybe, you might want to stick with them or at least not leave a bad taste in their mouths when you leave. But, you know, I doubt performers are thinking like this because Tony's given them no reason to. As I say, the number one problem with AEW is the fact that nobody's sitting there and going, this is what's happening, and if you don't like it, then you're not on the show. Tony can't be everyone's friend. Tony eventually has to be everyone's boss, because that's what he is. I'd prefer CM Punk to get on with people. If he can't get on with people, he'll have to be gone. If the Bucks start deciding they don't want to work with people, they'll have to be gone. If Kenny Omega doesn't want to work with certain people, they'll have to be gone, because they're under contract. It's their job to do as you tell them. They can come in and have ideas and say, well... You know, maybe I'll work with this guy instead. And if you think that's a better idea, that's fine. I'm not saying they can't come in and say, I've got an idea to work with this guy. Or what if I don't lose this match in this way? What if I lose it in this way? I'm not saying they can't have input. I welcome people's input because it always makes for a better story. But people cannot tell the guy running the company no. Because the moment that happens, you're in WCW. And we all know what happened there so that's my thoughts on the CM Punk situation and various problems that could arise due to the fact of this possible return I do hope that you've enjoyed this episode and if you'd like to get in touch with me I'm at PMBero on Twitter I'm on the Discord and we're also on The Wrestling Arena on Facebook I've been Paul Barrow and for The Wrestling Arena we'll see you next time